If you got your Bibles, I want you to open them with me to 2 Samuel <coughs> chapter 10. Let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 10. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Lord, we thank you, God, that it rings true. Father, we thank you that we can apply it to our lives today. So, Lord, we just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 10, starting on verse 1. Look at it, it says, it happened after this, <coughs> excuse me, it happened after this that the king of the people of Ammon died. And Hanan, his son, reigned in his place. It says, then David said this. He said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash, as his father has showed kindness to me. So David sent by the hand of his servants to comfort him concerning his father. And David's servants came in to the land of the people of Ammon. Verse 3. And the princes of the people of Ammon, listen, said to Hanan their lord, Do you really think that David honors your father? Do you really think that he honors your father because he's sending comforters in here to, to you? Has David not rather sent his servants to you to search the city, to spy it out, and to overthrow it? Therefore, Hanan took David's servants, shaved off half their beards, cut off their garments in the middle, up to their buttocks. That's a famous Forrest Gump word. For y'all that have never seen Forrest Gump, that's their rear end. I'm not sure if underwear was invented at this time frame or not. I'm not sure what year was Fruit of the Loom invented. Can somebody Google that? For Just kidding. He said this, listen. Hanan took David's servant, shaved off half their beards, cut off their garments in the middle up to their rear ends. Their butts were showing, and then he sent them away. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so listen, so then I'm pretty safe to say that they didn't have underwear back then. I'm almost certain this was before 1851. <laughs> this is a seemingly funny story. Amen. This is a seemingly funny story if you don't understand what's going on, right? We're going to stop reading right there at verse 4, but there is a real life lesson in this story that I want to give you today. Amen. Muhammad Ali got on an airplane, and he was flying on a commercial flight somewhere, and the flight attendant noticed that the world-famous boxer did not have his seatbelt on. And the flight attendant, the stewardess, walks up to him and says, Excuse me, Mr. Ali, could you please fasten your seatbelt? Whereas he returned and looked at her, and he says, Ma'am, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she replied, and says, Superman don't need no airplane. Fasten your seatbelt. 
Nobody is Superman and no woman is Wonder Woman. We're all very vulnerable. We all have weaknesses. And I want to focus on something today that all of us have a weakness in. And it's found in Luke 17.1. It's found in Luke 17.1. Jesus said to his disciples, and this is the lesson, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. He said, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. impossible. This is God himself. With God, all things are what? Impossible. This is Jesus himself telling you that something is impossible. He said, it is impossible that no offenses should come to you. But woe to him through whom they come. Jesus said, it is impossible that offenses should not come to you. It's just impossible for you to live your life unoffended. Amen. It is impossible for you to live your life unoffended. You're going to be offended. Something, someone is going to offend you. It's not possible to escape it. It's coming. It's probably already happened. And here's a newsflash for you. It's going to happen again. And again. And again. And again. And again. There's no way out of it. There's no way out of it. Jesus said, it will happen. There is no one exempt from this. Nobody's Superman. Nobody's Wonder Woman. He said, this one right here is going to get you. You follow what I'm telling you? Jesus himself, he said, this one right here is going to get you. You cannot live undefended. God himself said, it is impossible. He said, this one's going to get you. There's no way to avoid it. Somebody's going to shame you. Somebody's going to outrage you. Somebody's going to insult you. Somebody's going to humiliate you. Somebody's going to offend you. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get angry. You're going to get offended. You're going to get violated. Didn't you come to church this morning to hear all of this great news? Praise the Lord. Welcome to Restoration Church. Your pride is going to be insulted. It is a biblical fact. Say amen, somebody. It is a biblical fact. Jesus himself said it is impossible for you to escape being offended in your lifetime. It's going to happen. And since it's going to happen, you have to learn how to deal with it. And since it's going to happen, you have to learn how to deal with it. Amen. Amen. Because not being offended is unachievable. Being unoffendable is unachievable. Amen. Being unoffended is not achievable. It's not doable. There are no exemptions from it. It's going to happen to you. You know, it's an interesting fact that in New Zealand, only a certain amount of the birds can fly. Did you know that? I'm not kidding. Look it up. Go, please don't do that. I'm going to stop saying that. Take my word for it, I Googled this one. Listen, it's interesting that in New Zealand, only a certain amount of the birds can fly. Only a certain amount. 40% of the birds in New Zealand are flightless. The kiwi, the penguin, and so on and so on. They cannot fly. And here's why. Because there are no predators on the island of New Zealand. 
There are no predators on the there are no land predators on the island of New Zealand. They do not have snakes. They do not have bobcats. They do not have wolves. They do not have coyotes. They don't have a predator. They do not have anything that will eat the birds. Therefore, if there are no predators, there's no need to fly. And when there is no need to fly, you will eventually lose your ability to fly. When there is no need to fly, you will eventually lose your ability to fly. Amen. And if you go to New Zealand, you'll see birds walking around all over the place. They don't have wings. They have these little nubs. They're like little baby Tyrannosaurus Rexes or something. I don't know. What you're... But all they have is these little nubs. They don't have wings. They don't have wings. They've lost their wings through the generations because nothing has ever opposed them. Say amen, somebody. They have lost their ability to fly because nothing has ever opposed them. Nothing has ever come against them. There were no predators in their lives. So it is a predator that creates the ability to fly. If you want to succeed at anything in your life, you have to have opposition. If you want to scratch around the little barnyard all day long, like this right here, and never have no opposition in your life, and never be able to fly, then you just go ahead and you don't get offended. You just go right on ahead and peck around the barnyard if you want to. Amen. If that's what you want to do, you just go on through life with no problems, no offenses, no nothing. But if you want to soar like an eagle, and you can, and you can, but it's going to require opposition. It's going to require opposition. In other words, listen, airplanes take off going into the wind. If you ask any pilot, ask any pilot when they're getting ready to take off. Ask any pilot, they'll tell you they want to know the direction of the wind. They want to know the way the wind's coming because you have to fly into the wind. And when the pilot takes off and they fly into the wind and the resistance hits the wings, the plane gets what they call lift. It's the opposition that gives the plane lift. Without wind opposing the wings of the plane, it doesn't get lift. And it's so important, listen to me guys, that we understand that 40% of the birds in New Zealand cannot fly because they've never had opposition, they have never had a predator, they have never had a problem. And I want to tell you, you will never mount up with wings like eagles until you go through attack, until you go through persecution, until you go through things in your life, until you overcome things in your life, and you are going to be offended. Amen. Praise the Lord. Opposition enables you to do things you could not do had you not had opposition. You missed it. You missed it. Opposition enables you to do things you could not do had you not had opposition come against you. Amen. Amen. It's what gives you lift. It'll make you lift your prayer life. It'll make you lift your praise life. It'll make you lift your worship life. It'll make you lift your... Come on, somebody. It will give you the lift you need. Opposition will give you the lift you need. I promise you, you'll lift your prayer life. Amen. Who am I talking to? Am I preaching to myself? Only one here. And if you don't have the opposition, listen, you'll stay right where you are. I'm comfortable. What do you say about comfort zones, y'all? If you don't have the opposition, 
you'll stay right where you are. Amen. Amen. God intends for the winds of opposition to take you higher. They will make you fly to God. Amen. Now, what was taking place in this story here in the Old Testament? Is it hot in here? <laughs> now, what was taking place in this story in 2 Samuel here? Listen, in the Old Testament, this is what was taking place in the story. David was king of Israel, and he had heard that one of his friends, King Nahash, had died. And he thought to himself, he has been kind to me. He has been a good man to me. I, I, I want, listen, here's what he said. I want to show honor and be kind back to him. I know his son has taken over the throne. So as a gesture of kindness, just like what we would do here in America, if we heard the president of another country died, we would send a high-ranking official, a dignitary. The president himself would go over or he would send someone else over to show kindness and to show sympathy from our country, from America. They would go over and, and we would show condolences. We would give some comfort and we would say, hey, we are here. We support you as a nation. So David sends some of his mighty men to go to this foreign country. The king had died. And that's what was taking place in the story, guys. David has sent some of his mighty men over to this country. The king had died, and David says, I want to send them over there because his son has taken over the throne. And when they got there, David said, I want to send them over there to condolence them, to give them comfort. And when they got there, somebody had already gotten in the prince's ear. Mm, that's something. Somebody had already gotten into a young prince's ear, and they said, do you really... Come on, Prince. Do you really think they're sending people to show comfort to us and show respect and honor to us? They're not coming for that. He said, they're coming to kill. They're coming to spy out the land. They're coming to look at the terrain and measure the walls. They're coming to check out our defenses. They're coming to do our, uh, they want to invade us. And so the Bible says, after they were falsely accused, these men were falsely accused. They were falsely accused and they were not there for that reason. They were there on a peace journey. They had no evil intentions. They were there to show kindness from their king. Now this is important. They were there to show kindness from their king. This is very important. These men were sent by the king doing the king's will. When somebody's about to offend them, you can be in the perfect will of God, church. You can be doing the perfect thing and you can be doing everything right. And I promise you, somebody's going to come against you and offend you. Amen. 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 They falsely accused them. They falsely accused these men. And the Bible says that the prince ordered, now listen. That half of their beard be shaved off. And he ordered, and I'm going to explain how humiliating that was. And then he ordered that their skirt or their robe or whatever they were carrying, he ordered that it be cut off up to the mid. Y'all want me to demonstrate this for you? <laughs> Underwear was invented in 1851. I've got them on. Listen, he said that we're going to cut and then we're going to, we're going to shave half of their beard off. We're going to cut up here until their rear end showing. Amen, y'all. We're going to do all this stuff. Now, I want to tell you something. These were like spanked little babies. Amen. These were spanked 
babies. I mean, these mighty men. For these mighty men, it would have been better if they would have killed them, if they would have beat them, if they would have stabbed them, if they would have. But you, they sent them home like spanked little babies. Amen. They're humiliated. They shave their beard off, show their rear ends, and then send them on home. These men were humiliated. They were ashamed. You want to talk about being offended? Come on, somebody. You want to talk about being offended? These men were humiliated. And it wasn't a physical thing that was so bad. Right? They weren't beat up. They weren't attacked. It wasn't a physical thing. It was emotionally and mentally, y'all. It was the emotional fact that they had been humiliated and offended. And I'm not so sure that they would have gotten a whole lot of sympathy out of other Bible characters. I doubt Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego would have been like, what are you crying about? You just got a little trim on your beard and your butt showing? They threw us in the fiery furnace. You want to talk about persecution? Huh? All you got was a little trim to your beard and spanked on down the road? That's not persecution. What about Daniel? Daniel probably said, dude, you know what my enemies did to me? They threw me in the lion's den. Amen. You think you got a little beard cut off and your rear end showing? That's nothing. But mentally, listen, and emotionally, the Bible says that they leave that place humiliated. The cutting off of the beard. The beard of Middle Eastern thinking, still to this day, amen, to this day was distinction and honor and maturity. When they shaved off, listen, when they shaved off half of their beard, they shaved off half of their authority. They shaved off their rank. They shaved off their leadership. Amen. They shaved off half of their identity. You understand what I'm telling you? They shaved half of their identity off. Everything, their pride. Everything was gone. And then they sent them home like children. Listen, a token of their authority had been cutting off. Now their butts are showing. Come on. You leave a fight with no clothes on, you lost. I don't care how good you did. I'm just here to tell you. They shaved half their beards off. These men were humiliated. They spanked them like little children, showed their rear ends, and sent them home. How humiliated. And it all happened doing the king's business. It all happened doing the king's business. Doing exactly what they were told to do. And I want to tell you this. If you live for God and you seek to do his will, you will find yourself wounded doing God's perfect, pleasing will. I promise you. I promise you. If you find yourself in the middle of doing God's will, no one is exempt from it. Amen. If you get in a church like this, you're going to be wounded. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? You get in a church like this, you're going to be wounded. Sing in the choir, you're going to be wounded. Amen. You sing in the choir, you're going to be wounded. You usher, you're going to get wounded. You park cars, somebody's going to flip you off. Amen. You're going to get wounded. Doing the will of God, somebody's going to roll their eyes at you. They go, hey, come on, somebody's going to talk about you. Welcome to life. Amen. 
welcome to life. Amen. And I love this story. I love this story, guys. Listen. Because the Bible says, as they were approaching, they were coming back home. These mighty men, again, guys, listen to me. These were killers. These weren't wimpy little men like me. These were cold-blooded killers, y'all. These were mighty men. Amen. They didn't even go over there prepared to fight. They were going over there on a peace journey. They probably would have fought. Amen. They probably would have fought. But they didn't go over there. They didn't even have their weapons with them. They were on a peace journey, and now they're coming back home humiliated. And they're probably sitting there looking at each other like, really? Like we're just going over here to help somebody out, and this is, amen. They're about to come home to their hometown, and David, here's what happened. And then he sends a man out, and he says, don't you let them come into this town. He says, don't you let them come into town. I don't want them in the town circle to be even more humiliated. All the other people, I don't want all the other mighty men to see them. I don't want these men coming in here. And David said this in 2 Samuel 10, 5. Watch this. Watch this. Because the men were greatly ashamed. Tell them instead to wait at Jericho. Now listen to this. I want you to listen to this. Jericho means sweet fragrance. Everybody say sweet fragrance. Now watch this. He says, you tell them to wait at Jericho. Jericho means sweet fragrance. I want them to go over there to that sweet place. Come on, somebody. I want them to go over to that sweet place, and I want them to stay there. I want them to lodge there. Look, until their beards grow back, and then you can return. Amen? He says, I want you to go over there. Listen, until your beards grow back, we're going to get a seamstress down there. We're going to cover up your rear end. Your beard's going to grow back. We're going to cover your tail up. Everything's going to be fine. It's all going to work out. Everything's going to be good. You just go over to the sweet place. You just sit there and wait. Amen. Are y'all following me? That's what he's saying. And when you get offended, I want you to listen to the instructions he said. Listen to this. He said, I need you to go to Jericho, the sweet place. When you get offended, here it is. See, I love the fact that he didn't let them come in to the town. Kind of reminds me of the prodigal son story. When he sees the prodigal son coming up out of the pig, out of the pig pen covered in slop, Covered in pig dew, what happens? The father runs out to the son and he puts the robe on him and he puts the shoes on him because he wants to cover him up. He don't want nobody to see him. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who wants to cover up our shame, who don't want to rub it into our face? Aren't you glad that you have somebody? He says, you don't let them come into the town. We're not going to humiliate them anymore. Amen. He says, I want you to get them. You take them over to Jericho. You take them to Jericho. Ah, oh, sweet place. Just go to Jericho when somebody offends you. Listen now. Just go to Jericho. Stay sweet. Stay sweet. Everybody say, stay sweet. Your beard will grow back. Your respect will come back. Your respect will come back. Your honor will come back. 
Your authority will come back. I know what they did was bad. But calm down. Calm down. It'll all come back. It'll all grow back. Don't get mad. Don't get angry. Don't seek vengeance. He said, if you'll just stay sweet, everything's going to get better. It's all going to work out for your good. That's what my Bible says. Come on, somebody. It's all going to work out for your good. Just keep the right spirit. Go to Jericho, the sweet place. Stay there until your beard grows back. Amen. I promise you everything's going to be fine. Just calm down. And it's so hard to stay sweet when we get offended, ain't it? Huh? Oh, four of you? I, just, I guess it's just me that is human. It's so hard, ain't it? To stay sweet when you get mad and get offended. The natural person just wants to get in a shouting match. You want to put your dukes up? You want to fight? Oh, you expose my rear end? <laughs> I'm going to do worse to you and a lot more. Here I come, baby. Let's go. Amen. Amen. I guess it's just me. Am I the only one that wants to get even with people? Dustin, are we, are we the only humans in here? Who am I talking to? How many of you won't get even when you get mad? Huh? You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. And we want to retaliate. We want to go after them. But listen, the king said, if you go to Jericho, you just hang out there until your beard grows back. And I think of Romans 12, 19. Look at this. Look at this. He said, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, nor give place to wrath. For vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Listen, there's two things in the Bible that God said is mine. It's the tithe and vengeance. You don't touch neither one of them. Amen. God said the tithe is mine and the vengeance is mine. You don't touch neither one of them. They all belong to me. That's what he said. That's what he said. You leave them alone. And you need to understand that God doesn't take offense lightly. I want to show you this. That's what God was saying. What David was saying to these men. He said, I want you to go to Jericho. And I want you to stay sweet. And when you get offended, I want to tell you, if you don't render evil for evil, I'm going to preach to you right now. If you won't attack, if you'll just be quiet, you go to the sweet place and you just calm down a little bit, I promise you your beard's going to grow back. Turn to your neighbor and tell them your beard's going to grow back. All right, turn to a woman near you. Turn to a woman near you and tell you your beard's going to grow back. Tell them. Your beard's going to grow back. I know they insulted you. I know they humiliated you. But all it is is words. You've been in a big hussy fit over words. That's all it is is words. Everything that you are, everything that they have insulted about it does not change who you are. Amen. Come on. And I promise you if you be quiet, <laughs> it'll all grow back. Your beard will grow back if you just be quiet. And what about getting them back? Vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. You stay in the sweet place. And you know what happens? Listen. What happens next? The Bible says in 2 Samuel that David told Joab to take some mighty men while they were in the sweet place. Listen, I'm telling y'all. God watches this stuff. Amen. God watches this stuff, folks. God watches when we get offended and he sees 
if when we get offended, if we just going to peck around the barnyard like the rest of them, uh, we just going to peck around the barnyard, or if we're just going to go over to the sweet place, when we get offended, you're going to peck around the barnyard or you're going to go over to the sweet place, you're going to get in the right spirit. Amen. You're going to get that right spirit. And I stay. Listen, God says if they'll stay sweet, they'll go to Jericho, let their beard grow back. He says, what I'm going to do is he says, I'm going to turn around right now. And he says, I, the Lord God, the king will take out my vengeance. Amen. If you'll just stay sweet, if you'll just go to the sweet place, he said, I, the Lord God, will take out my vengeance on them. And, and listen, it's beautiful. God's vengeance. Amen. God's vengeance. It's his vengeance, not yours. And this is something that we don't understand. Amen. God is into vengeance. God is into vengeance. He even said in Luke 17, 2, look at this. We just read it. Luke 17, 1. He said, it's impossible for you to be offended, but woe to him who through they come. Now look at Luke 17, 2. It would be better if you took cinder blocks with chains like Al Capone and the mafia does, folks, and you throw them into the sea than to offend one of my little ones. Little ones meaning least ones in the kingdom. God says you better know that I take offense so serious that I will take vengeance on you. You might as well just go all mafia on them if you offend one of my people. That's what he said. Does that not mean that he takes offense very seriously? Woe to the one who does the offending and then go ahead and tie a chain around their neck and throw them in the sea. That's pretty serious, y'all. Amen. That's what he's saying. Vengeance. And I want to say this. Vengeance is a righteous act of God. Nobody's going to get away with nothing. Y'all know that? Go ahead and take that home with you and think about it next time you're doing something silly. Nobody's going to get away with nothing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you how holy vengeance is when it's placed in God's hands. Amen? Our job is to say this when we're offended. If someone has truly, truly done you wrong, Lord, I'm just going to stay sweet. Help me. I'm going to stay right here until my beard grows back, God. I'm going to stay right here. You've got me covered. God, I know you're working on everything. I don't worry about my reputation. I don't have to defend myself. I'm going to let you, Lord, deal with my enemies. I'm going to let you deal with this situation. I trust you, God. You are the God of vengeance. You're the God of vengeance. That's what we do when we get offended. Now watch this. In Revelation chapter 6, the Bible says, In heaven, in heaven, the martyrs are under the altar, and they're crying out. Those who were unjustly killed, now listen. Those who were unjustly killed were crying out in heaven. Look at Revelation 6 right here. Six right here. He says, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God, and they cried out, Lord, how long until you avenge our blood? Now, if vengeance is wrong, then that means sin is in heaven. Amen. Come on, somebody. If, if, if vengeance is wrong, then that means sin is in heaven because there are saint, slain Christians in heaven whose blood comes up before the throne saying, avenge us, avenge us. And God says, I will avenge. Amen. If vengeance is wrong, then that means there's sin in heaven. So the point is this. If you'll stay sweet and you'll just go to Jericho, 
And you'll stay calm and you won't cuss people out, Restoration Church. And you won't throw fits, Restoration Church. And you won't go into a rage, but you stay sweet. Let your beard grow back. God, then just like David sent Joab, listen, and the army and the Bible says they wiped them out, folks. Wiped them out. God's vengeance is always greater than your vengeance. Amen. Amen. God's vengeance is always greater than your vengeance. And what I'm saying to you today, God always repays. He is a God of vengeance. And he, all, all he's asking you to do is just stay sweet and give the vengeance part to him. Quit talking about it. Quit being angry about it. Quit letting it affect you. Quit letting it obsess your life and let it go. The Bible says, woe unto them who offend. He says, woe unto them who offend. Stop talking about it. Now look, I want to show you something. Ezekiel 25, 15. It says that the Philistines, listen to this. The Philistines took vengeance with a spiteful heart to destroy because of old hatred. It says the Philistines worked by revenge because of old hatred. Amen. They worked by revenge because of old hatred. That's a powerful statement. They worked through old hatred. Do you know how many families? It's old hatred. Generations and families and families and families that don't even talk to each other and they don't even really know why they don't like each other. And their side of the family doesn't talk to that side of the family because it's old hatred. Amen. And if we're not careful, and listen, the Philistines were working by revenge out of, the, out of old hatred for the Israelites. They didn't even know why they hated them. And I'm saying to you this morning, if we don't watch it, our families can become like the Hatfields and the McCoys. Amen. Y'all be fighting and don't even know why you're fighting. Your families have old hatred. Generation after generation, there's fighting stuff going on. And at some point, you just need to go to Jericho. Amen. At some point, you need to get to Jericho. You need to shut up about it, move on, and let God deal with it. Amen. Now I'm almost done. <laughs> I want to talk to you about unforgiveness for just a minute. I want to talk to you about unforgiveness for just a moment. When you get into a place of offense and you have unforgiveness, it's like a tumor. Amen. It's like a tumor. You have, check this out, I'm all sweaty. It's like a tumor of unforgiveness. You can act like it ain't there. You can act like it ain't there. But everywhere you go and everything you do, everybody sees it. Everybody acts like it. And you go around, you know, I'm good, I'm good. You standing around holding your Bible, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, we're good. And everywhere you go, people see the unforgiveness. I can't forgive. And I'll tell you, when you get the tumor of unforgiveness, here's the reason why people say they can't forgive. Amen. I can't forgive and get rid of this. You know, because it's, it's big. It's sore. It's uncomfortable. It hurts. And, and sometimes, 
when people touch this thing, you overreact a little bit. Come on, somebody. Amen? People touch it, and you, you tend to overreact because it's so sensitive. And then your children touched it. And it really wasn't what they did. It's just because this thing hurts so bad. Amen? Because I've got this thing, and my kids are poking at it and touching it, and it's gotten infected. And every time somebody does something, you're fighting with your spouse, but you really ain't fighting about that. You're fighting because she touched this. Amen. It's not that. It's this thing. And the reason people say they can't get rid, walk around like the hunchback in Notre Dame. Come on, y'all. And the reason people say they can't get rid of this tumor of unforgiveness, number one, this offense. I can't forgive because what they did to me is too big. Well, looks like that'd be a great reason why you want to get rid of it. Amen? Looks like that'd be a great reason to want to get rid of it. The bigger it is, the bigger the thing you carry in your soul. And I want to tell you, this is what you look like if you could see yourself spiritually. The bigger it is, the bigger the reason you think you would want to get rid of it. Well, time will heal it. Time will heal it. Watch this. I'll just ignore it and it'll go away. You'll carry that for the rest of your life. You think you're just going to wake up one morning and this thing's going to fall off in the shower? It's there. It ain't going nowhere. You're walking around with it all time will heal it. No, it won't. You'll carry that thing forever. Well, I'll forgive them when they say I'm sorry. I'll forgive them when they ask me and tell me they're sorry. Then I'll forgive them. <laughs> well, notice this, that they're at Cedar Point riding roller coasters and having a good time. And you're walking around like this. And you're waiting on them to come talk to you and ask you before you work on something that's in you. A amen. Yeah, it wasn't good enough. Come on now. Oh, I'll forgive them when they say I'm sorry. What? So they're over there living their life, having a great time, and you're walking around like this. Come on, y'all. Last one. I'll forgive them. But if I forgive them, they'll just do it again. Well, that's a huge incentive to get rid of it. Because if they're going to do it again, you're going to have one over on this side. And would you want four or five or six or seven of these things all over you? Why don't you just get rid of this one first? Amen. I knocked everything off. I got rid of my tumor. Why don't you get rid of this one first? I can't forgive them because they'll just do it again. Yeah, and then you're going to walk around with six or seven of these things all over you. Unforgiveness all over you guys. Hallelujah. You need to go to Jericho. You need to go to Jericho. Amen. Unforgiveness. Go to Jericho. Go to the sweet place. And I close with this. 1993. Jesus said it's impossible. You know that? 1993, Delta Force, United States Army, East Africa, a place called Somalia. The biggest gunfight since Vietnam. They were going in to nab a drug lord and suddenly the Black Hawk helicopter they were going in on 
was shot with a surface-to-air missile. Shot with a surface-to-air missile. Many of our soldiers were killed, and their bodies were dragged through the streets. The enemy soldiers screaming, celebrating. They sent in a team to recover the bodies, and they sent in a team to recover some of the men that might have survived. They came under heavy, tremendous gunfire. We were outnumbered by thousands, they said. And gunfire coming, AK-47s coming from all directions. If you've seen the movie Black Hawk Down, this is the story. In the book, they tell about being pinned down in a building by automatic gunfire coming from every direction. And the captain turns to his lieutenant. And he says to his lieutenant, get in the truck. We got to get out of here. Get in the truck and drive. And the response of the lieutenant is, Captain, but I'm shot. And the answer of the captain is a classic. He said, everybody's shot. Shut up. Get in the truck and drive. Let me tell you something. We're all wounded. We're all shot. We're all offended. We've all been shot. We've all had somebody do something stupid to us. Amen. Shut up. Meaning stop whining, stop crying about it, stop talking about it, get in the truck and drive. We've all been hurt. We've all been offended. We're all wounded. Amen. We all got bullet holes. Come on. The Apostle Paul didn't gain a head. He lost his head. But he said, I'm more than a conqueror because none of this moves me. Amen. Hallelujah. Job lost everything. He said, I still praise the God who gives me everything. If he's giving it to me, I praise him. If he's taking it from me, I'm praising. So you just need to get in the truck, shut up, and drive. Go on, move forward, stay in jail. Listen, you're going to be wounded. You're going to be wounded. The number one goal of the enemy is to get you mad at God. The number one goal of the enemy is to get you mad at God. You're not the only one bleeding, and you can't lay down in self-pity and quit. Shut up. Get in the truck and drive. Acts 14, 22 says, exhorting them to continue in the faith. He said, keep going. Exhorting them to continue. Shut up. Get in the truck and drive. Through many bullet holes, you're going to see the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations, you're going to be offended. You're going to be hurt. Through many tribulations, he said, you're going to get there. You're going to get there, but it's going to cost you. Amen. So you just need to get in the truck, shut up, and drive. It's impossible for you to not take gunfire. And I don't want you to get so comfortable in your religion that you think you're exempt from what I'm preaching to you. Amen. Don't get so comfortable in your religion that you think you're exempt from what I'm preaching to you. John 16, 33. Come on. Jesus said this. In this world, you will have tribulation. Shut up and drive. Amen. We don't quit. We don't draw back. We don't surrender. In this world, you will have tribulations. But be of good cheer. Shut up. Get in the truck and drive. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. 
If you faint in the day of adversity, then your strength is small. I love that verse. If you quit when the gunfire is coming, if you quit when everything's being shot around you, if you give up, that's when everything in us says, I give up. Everything in us says, I want to run. Everything in us says, I don't want to fight. But if you give up in the day of adversity, the Bible says your strength is small. Not who offended you, your strength. Not who offended you, your strength is small. If you quit in the day of adversity, 